Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. And he's old. And I'm young. But we're both cute. You're listening to a new episode of the Mangina Dialogues. Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again with your host, Nick Scopes. And the Gregolicious. You know how we do, because you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplugged like a fool swung titty. About get jitty, cause you know we down to the nitty and the gritty. And we make shit sound so damn pretty. Yeah, cause this unhinged comedy. And right now you're in the mix. So get ready, cause we bout to get it poppin'. We ain't stopping. I'm educated, unfiltered, unhinged. It's the Mangina Dialogues. Hello and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Nick Scopes. And I am Gregory Alprin. <laughs> Full name. <laughs> I love it. And our guest formal. today, he's bald. He has a beard. He's a personal trainer. He's a comic. He's handsome. No, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Sergio Chacon. What's up, Poppy? What's up? What's up, Nick? What's up, Greg? Thanks for having me, fellas. Dude, absolutely. What's going on in New York? Nothing much, man. Feeling good, you know, staying healthy and all that good stuff. You guys guys are, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are in Connecticut right now? Yeah, like Southern Connecticut. We're like, what are we, an hour from the city? Well, nah, yeah, hour, about, probably. So you guys have a lot more liberties than we do up there. Restaurants are open, you know, shit is flowing. I, I, I believe I uh, performed recently at Bridgeport. You guys came out. So yeah, you guys you. Are, uh, are doing it, right? You guys are open. So things out here are nowhere near that, you know? So things <laughs> are still closed. As far as the comedy scene is concerned, it's restricted to rooftops and parks. So yeah. you're either performing next to me or a hedge. That's it. <laughs> and, and now you need a really when good- I went to Bridgeport, When I went to Bridgeport and, and, the, and, I, and I heard that the, when, and the clubs were open and flowing, it was a very good feeling. So shout out to Connecticut for keeping shit open and the arts alive in that respect. Yeah, you know, really- there's not um, there's not a lot of places that have, you know, at least lo- like within this drivable region, like arts open. Right. Obviously, New York isn't. New Jersey isn't. Um, I know in New Jersey you can do some small things. You know, they're doing some stuff down there. But as far as like clubs where you could get, you know, 100 people in, I don't know anywhere else, really. You know, that's inside, obviously, outside during the summer and the spring and the fall. It was tons. But I now know. it's cold. So you need like a really good winter jacket if you can do a rooftop, you know, in the city somewhere. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you know, Connecticut, we managed to hold it down. And, you know, those were great shows. You know, I'm sure that, you know, that was you did a weekend with Chris, right? Yeah, Chris Stefano. And the thing is, what happens is for the performer and the audience, I think there's this heightened gratitude, right? This, everyone's super, yeah. like, man, just happy about being able to do what they were doing just over a year ago with, with no, you know, with no restrictions. That's nice, man, because all that shit that we may have taken for granted is... Uh, has been taken from us, but man, so when when I perform under these conditions, 
I'm like super excited. The level of enthusiasm is through the roof. And I find that the audience has the same energy too. So it's pretty fucking dope. Yeah. How, how did those shows go? They went very well. They went very well. I think the audience, you know, a, a couple of these shows that I, <laughs> that I did during, you know, the pause, I had to tell the audience. I was like, listen, it's been a long time. Uh, you know, bear with me because you kind of lose your rhythm. Yeah. You know, you know, know. Like, Nick, you know the deal, right? It's just like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and Greg, as a fighter, you know, like if you haven't been in the ring in a long time, like you just miss a beat, you know, okay, something totally. that's a little off. And you're like, oh, I need like, I need like five minutes to kind of get the, the rhythm of this shit. So yeah, I want to tell the audience off the bat, guys, bear with with me it's yeah. been six months <laughs> allowing the audience to know what the deal was which they know but let them know that i need i need that right that that space like at least yeah. five minutes to talk to them when nick first started you know when all when we all not me not me but i don't understand it but when nick you know, we came out of the thing and there was shows to do. It was right. very funny. Nick would do like the, you know, the obviously go back to the well on some, you know, the greatest hits and the jokes that he was so crisp and, you know, perfect on. And he would come off and he would be like, it's the first, I feel like that's the first time I told that joke, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, he, felt, I thought I was like, I thought I had Alzheimer's or some shit. I was like, what the fuck? The first two times back, I was like, this is horrible. But I, I, I always compare it. I try to tell like, people I work with in the fitness industry and shit is like, imagine like not working out for five months. Right. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to do what I did five months ago. I'm going to squat the same amount, but I haven't done it. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't work. It's yeah, not going to exactly happen. Right. Or you're going to do it and you're going to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, what, it's, it's, good. it's what happened to me with boxing. <laughs> I, I hyperextended my elbows sp sparring and I was out of the ring for a year and a half, like literally out of, out of the ring sparring another person. I would, you know, hit the bag lightly for, you know, six months, starting six months after I hurt my elbow. But then oh, about six months ago, I got back into the ring to like spar. And it was literally like I never put gloves on before. Like nothing. Yeah. Everything was wrong. Everything. Do you, know, do you know what caused the hyperextension? Did you like miss? Yeah, missed. Totally missed. I was, I was <laughs> it's like you're not turning the punch over. So you do like a karate chop. Punch. No, I I was I was sparring with my trainer and we we aggressively spar. He's an ex-Olympic at the guy was at the time was an ex Olympic uh, boxer, and you know we sparred full on, right? And I just I rolled and came up with a um, with a you know with a punch and just missed everything, and I swung hard, and just it it went to spaghetti like just done. I at that moment I knew it was I was done, and it took a long time to come back before I could even touch a bag, touch one without it really hurting. Did, did, did he know immediately that you were hurt? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did he feel like a little foot <laughs> shuffle and a like, shoulder shuffle? Like... You know, it's funny because this guy, that I won't mention his name. He, if he listens, he'll know I'm talking about him. But, um, you know, he's an Olympic boxer, right? So, And he was a boxer since he was 13 years old. Now he's 40. So a few times when we were sparring, he went down. Right. But every time, like the two times he would hit the canvas, you know, like one knee, just go down. He would pop back up and be like, I didn't go down. <laughs> like I didn't touch the canvas. And I'm yeah. like, you're full of shit. I just totally sat you down, you fucker. <laughs> that shit is impressive, man. You know, uh, putting down a uh, an Olympic gold medalist because those guys... No, I didn't say gold. I didn't say gold medalist. I just said... Well, it was I didn't say that up. I like, to, I like to exaggerate the story. That's okay. how I'm going with one. 
This guy Greg dropped fucking Olympic gold medalist three times over. <laughs> in a row. In a row. He got him three times. You don't have to tell anyone I outweigh him by 100 pounds, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I knew that. I was going to say, how much do you outweigh him, too? Yeah, by prop, not 100 pounds, but a solid 50. So right, right. maybe, still, maybe. Man, still love of an Olympian, man, it's like. Yeah, so it was my I trained with this other guy in L.A., Ricky Kielis. I don't know if you know him. He's a he's a four time he's a four time champ. He's got four belts in different weight classes. And um, he it's just he he would absolutely destroy me for fun, just for yeah. fun. Like he would totally take Nick would love to watch this because it would like and that was at my height of like really training a lot four or five days a week. And we yeah. would we would kind of go at it. And it was like. It was it was literally like watching a professional boxer fight a like a child, <laughs> right? And every time I would leave, I would leave soaking wet, head to toe, sweated through everything, as demoralized as a human could possibly be. When you think like, oh, I have some pretty good skills, I can keep up. No, he probably no. just beat you with speed, right? Just oh, so total so speed. Faster. Oh yeah, yeah. Just the sheer speed was was just insane. Yeah, when someone's just that much faster than you and you can't catch up, I mean, what beats speed is timing. And if you can't get the yeah. timing of that, you're in for a long fucking couple of rounds. Oh, yeah. And he made <laughs> he made me pay like he would he would rough me up and then make me do like push ups and really like take it to me hard. And I'm like, come on, man, I'm here on vacation. Yeah, I'm <laughs> also paying you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Paying for torture. We're trainers, dude. That's what we do. That's how I met Nick. Yeah. Nick was my trainer in the gym. Not boxing. Yeah. Fitness. How, how's business going now, Nick? Like, do you find a lot of people during the pause are like, I need to work out and they're seeking your counsel? It was or hit or like miss. Popping off because they're scared of the gym. Yeah, it's hit. I mean, it's, it's, there's both. Um, I, some trainers, I work at Equinox here in Southern Connecticut. And it's been hit or miss. Some trainers, really just one in particular, my roommate who I live with, came back with like a full book. None of, none of his clients really gave a shit. You know what I mean? He's like, so I didn't do anything. What do you mean, what do you like, mean by full book? Like all his clients came immediately back when we opened. Oh, okay, got it. So oh, he's like, busy. Got it, got it. Yeah, he's busy. He just can't. I mean, he even said, he goes, I didn't do anything. Like all his clients were just like, yeah, we don't give a fuck. Let's, uh, let's get right. back. You know what I mean? I lost quite a few. Um, but you know, doing more of the virtual thing. Um, now that the vaccines are coming out, I have some members reaching out to me because most of my demographic, as I think maybe yours is, I'm not sure, but like, you know, middle-aged, a little older, right? 40, 50, 60, they're a little bit worried about- yeah. um, Actually, I have like a that. much younger demographic. The people I train, I train a lot of women who are in like their 20s to 30s. I had a feeling, dude. I saw like, yeah. I just had a feeling just like looking at you and then watching the video you did with Chris. I was like, I feel like he has like young, hot chicks in New York City <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that he just tried this fucking dudes killing it. Yeah, right. So that's what I got. But a lot of them are um, from New York. You know, a lot of people who live in New York now coming from all over the country. So yeah. a lot of them, a good percentage went back home during this time. But they're back now, resurfacing. So it's been, you know, we, we all had to make the adjustments. I was doing the virtuals as yeah. well. And I still keep those in the pocket just in case, you know. But you I was dreading, to. I was dreading that shit in the beginning. Yeah, you, you have do. to, man. That was that was the weirdest transition, was like now you're on a computer. And I was like, I had no shoes on training these people in my house. <laughs> wearing slippers and shit. And I'm like, 
Hit it with your legs folded, right? Yeah, drinking coffee in my house. All right, yeah, 10 more. What the fuck? It's 6 a.m. I'm in my house. Like, Are you mainly a, um, like a fight sport trainer or, or like weights and stuff too? Well, I do weights and stuff too, but mostly I would say it's, it's boxing, fitness. Right. There have been a couple of guys uh, who I trained to compete, uh, but mostly like boxing, fitness. But, you know, if they want, we'll do weights, but a lot yeah. of people, you know, working strictly boxing you know right, right. and a lot of what i'm doing now uh is outdoors and it's yeah. interesting because i never thought i would be able to go on this long i mean it's the middle it's the middle of the winter right and i'm still under an oak tree holding <laughs> pads for people <laughs> <laughs> you know, and guys i'm not talking about nice parks i'm not talking about Sundry park i'm in like some dirtbag parks where <laughs> freak out and wait, wait, wait two feet away you'll see a, a uh, a junkie, and then f- five feet that way, you'll see someone doing Tai Chi. You know, yeah. it's like it's the world. Where was the – what park did you train Chris at? That was Tompkins Square Park. Okay. Yeah, right. there was an uprising there like years ago. I remember yeah, yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Remember that, Greg? Oh, yeah, for sure. Back in the days, you probably heard of it, Nick. Back in the days when Mayor Dinkins was in office, early 90s, they had tents flooding the park, and it was run by homeless people. And um, yeah, and then there was a riot. They didn't want to leave, and you know, bottles were thrown. It was a whole thing. Man. Yeah, Tompkins Square Park was always a rough, rough park until like the mid nineties, and yeah. then, and then you know, like everything else in freaking Manhattan and Harlem and Queens and Brooklyn and shit. But it still got, it still has that little, that little sketchiness. To it. Yeah, like every time I walk in a top in, into the bathroom at Tompkins Square Park, there's there's like full blown heroin addicts in there, you know. <laughs> Wow. Using their shoelaces to shoot up is real grimy, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's their bag. Now, Sergio, I want to know. So, well, obviously, we're going to talk about how you got into comedy because I'm curious about that. But real quick, I want to know, like, how you got into boxing and fitness. Like, how did that start for you? Yeah, you know, I've always enjoyed training. Um, boxing was a, a sport that I gravitated to because I always like individual sports, right? Um, I wasn't like big on team sports, although I did play baseball as a kid. But boxing was one of those things that I enjoyed. And since I can remember, man, I enjoyed watching boxing back in the days when Sugar Ray Leonard was fighting, Duran, yeah. and Hager, like when the welterweight division was loaded, when all these guys used to fight each other three or four times. Um, and I just always enjoyed the sport of boxing. Then I, you know, started boxing at the local boys club. And I was in and out of it. But boxing was the one sport that I kept participating in throughout my life. And it always was that place where I can go that kept me grounded, right? Yeah. If I was going through something in my life, I could always go to the gym and find that solace and peace, ironically, through that violence, you know? And I yeah. wasn't even I would just enjoy training. I enjoyed the fact that you can do so many different things to get better, you can hit the bag, you, uh, you can hit the heavy bag, you can hit the double M bag, a speed bag, shadow box, jump rope, you can do calisthenics. There were so many different things. You could spar, you, you, you can hit the mitts. I love the, the variety. I love the fact that you were like always in a kind of a grimy basement gym. I loved all of that. 
Yeah, I, that's my boxing gym that I box in. It's actually in Bridgeport now. And it's you go in there, you you know it's a boxing gym. Yeah, it, it smells like it. Yeah, it's not a pretty gym. It's in like an old, beat-up, shitty building. And, you know, it's... But you go inside and it's a boxing gym, right? I When I first started boxing in Manhattan, I, I trained at Trinity down on in, down in lower uh, end, of, end of Manhattan, which... Right was just like that you know it's like an old school boxing gym it's like no one gives a shit they're not trying to be pretty it's like come in there are the bags you know there's your ring you know let's go at it and i think that's what makes boxing such a cool training sport because especially like you know where we live it's you know it is what it is it's a nice nicer community right outside the city but then bridgeport is like an inner city right and i like going into that gym and training with people that I don't necessarily hang out with, you know, and, and mentoring those kids, right. Because right, right. I'm obviously older and have more life experience. And uh, it's cool to kind of just mix it up with people that you normally wouldn't mix it up with. And I think right. like a boxing gym is kind of a place you find that in. Right. Absolutely. All different walks of life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, a, it's a place that you could be humbled quickly. Totally. Totally. You know I mean? Both- both emotionally and physically. You know? So you want to know why I quit? I stopped going to Trinity. Nick knows this story. I I was going to Trinity, and one <laughs> the one you know it was like a group of people that you know would go on the same night in box around guys and girls. So one night, one of the guys that was one of the tra- like group trainers. It wasn't group training. It was just guys that were always there training people. Right. And he was like, "All right, you're going to spar with her." And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, yeah, you're going to spar with her. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to like that doesn't no matter what happens, that doesn't go well for me. Like, it's just not it. it you know, and I was it was very early on when I was boxing. And yeah. I was like, it wasn't, I, like, it wasn't like if she was really good and you're decent, you can at least work your defense. Look, good, right. roll with a few right. of them. you were green. Right. And I right. And she was way definitely more experienced than me and a girl and a big girl. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm like, fine. Right. Like, fine. Go in the ring. She sits me down within like 45 seconds. Wow. Right. And that was the first time I really ever had my bell rung by anyone, you know, and I like got up and I was like, all right, like I'll make believe that doesn't bother me. And then I never went back (laughs) to that gym. Like, I can't I can't do it. (laughs) <laughs> so i had to change boxing from that, shit. Ugh. that was it for you greg but i'm not embarrassed to say that i was hit knocked down by a girl it is what it is you know it's right, right, right. this is a trained fighter man so it's a different world man i did i remember i did like a handful of jujitsu classes and i'm 225 and there were like guys that were 150 pounds just like fucking me up you know what I mean? Like, oh, I was brand new and they knew I was new. So they were going easy too. And they were like, yeah, yeah. And they were just like, you could tell this motherfucker could just wrap me up at any point and it'd be yeah, over. It, you but can't. Like, trying to, you know, be nice first class and shit. But like a couple of times I was like, oh shit. It is all about <laughs> speed. Like speed always wins. Speed, speed definitely yeah. wins in the it, it, it like, jujitsu. They just manipulate yeah. your own movement. I mean, right? And I don't know too much about jujitsu, but I do know that a guy who's considerably smaller can just you know, I I took I took close quarters combat training for about a year um, and I w- it was trained by two guys who were ex uh, military guys one dude was like five foot four 130 pounds and the other guy was like six foot three completely opposite jacked right I met them at the gym that I used to work out in and the little guy 
was would beat the shit out of everybody. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. I mean, it was not about size. It was about knowing how to do how to maneuver and kind of shift body weight around. Right. right? Because it's a lot of that is 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 using someone else's body against them. Right. You know what I mean? And then right. forget it. Then if you would like kick you and you, like if I would go home bruised like from here to here bruised legs bruised. <laughs> I mean I looked like a like literally like an eggplant I was like purple and with the exception of my torso it was right, it was right, rough right. but I would when I would leave that place as beat up as I was from the training I would feel so awesome like I know I was hurt I know everything was like black and blue but I would leave there like that's pretty fucking awesome yeah you know, yeah, it's almost like you have an awakening of some sort. Yeah, it's like the rush, and it's like, all right, I could take that. Like, it makes you feel like I never walked around scared after I took those classes. I, I ever, like, I'm not never hey, that's scared. The that's the thing with martial arts, man. It's the, the the journey of it. What you get from that, the rough days, the good days. I mean, that's going to be applied to everyday life. Yeah, that stays with you. Oh, totally, totally. I, that's how me and Nick get along. Like, I'm, you know, he like he tries to rough me up and. I'm not afraid. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I feel that same way about lifting, though. That kept me grounded. It's like a form of like, you know, something I could always do and go grind it out. And that was, uh, yeah, that was like my boxing. So, yeah, I can't imagine, Nick. I mean, I mean wait, can you imagine anyone who doesn't have that sort of anything to look forward to during this, this pause? Like, if they're not training for anything, like, that's hard, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I when I a few years back, I hurt I hurt myself, I hurt my back, and it was you know I saw the signs coming. I just ignored it. I was a fucking meathead. I competed in bodybuilding, powerlifting, and I was like, I'm just gonna fucking power through. And by the time I was like 27, 28, my back was like, see you later, dude. <laughs> Until like, I, and honestly, it's so much a part of my identity. I really couldn't work out for like two, three years at least comfortably. And then now I'm just getting back. I'm 32 now. I've been two years back and like just getting back to like doing the what shit I wanted to do. Uh, it's just, I just, I don't know. It's just back. Like I never got an MRI or anything. I would just get fucking like, I would squat or deadlift and then be like, ah, eh, it feels a little uncomfortable. Go to Cairo. He'd pop my SI joint back in place. And I had like, so as shit and all this other garbage. I, I just ignored all the signs and I just kept like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And then I paid for it. You know what I mean? But now I'm back on track. So it feels fucking great. Yeah. But when you lose that, it's just like, I was miserable. That I was shit fucking miserable. man. Oh, dude, just kills like your confidence, everything. Just like, it was such a big part of my life. Like, yeah, man, you're all big, feeling good. And then it's like, two yeah. months. <laughs> yeah. You're like watching. <laughs> friends and you're getting so soft in the middle and shit with cheese doodle fingertips <laughs> yeah, and you're like yeah you like smart? i can't get a rush i can't get a rush from deadlifting anymore so i'm gonna eat <laughs> fucking doritos that's gonna be more fun nick does have a healthy appetite the dude could eat he definitely has a healthy appetite yeah i, I have to control it do you you still spar do you spar with your train with your with your uh, clients or on your own I like to spar. Ever since uh, the, you know, we had the whole pandemic, I haven't sparred. But yeah, I'll still spar. You know, I enjoy moving. It's funny. Whenever I would go in, knowing I was going to spar, which was you know three, four days a week, like maybe one day a week, I wouldn't spar. I would just train, and then I would spar the other days. I every single time I would walk into the gym, knowing I was going to spar, I would 
and I, I relate to Nick because Nick gets so incredibly nervous before he goes up on stage. I would walk into the gym and be crazy nervous that I was about to get in a ring and literally on purpose go in and fight somebody. Yeah. Right. But then I would get in the ring and then the first punch that was thrown, all that goes away. And then it's just like, I can't wait to throw the next punch or block the next punch or <laughs> it's not like it's like gone. Do you feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. When I was when I was actively like competing and stuff, when you know, when your coach is like, we got sparring tomorrow, we're going to this gym, like right. that shit, you know, when, when all of it is unknown, yeah, you know, and you have to put so much trust in your coach that you know, and trust in your ability, right? right. So and, and being able to like implement what you've been working on under you know some extreme stress is not easy. You yeah, know, definitely. All this shit goes out the window. Like sixty percent, seventy five percent goes out the window. Totally. And you're like left to what? Oh, I, I still got a good jab. Yeah. But that one, two, three, two rollout, and I'm I'm not pulling that shit off. It's crazy how. Yeah. Um, you can work on something like. For, you know, Nick, like for comedy, right? We could be so funny in front of our friends and shit, right? And we're like, oh, yeah, that is should have worked on stage. But the language, the, the it's so different with a strange audience. It's the same thing with boxing. I could be with my coach looking good, maybe even sparring my coach at the time or hitting the bag or pads. I'm pulling off these nasty combinations, but it's totally different when you have to really perform that shit. Yeah. yeah. So you got to work so hard just to get a little bit of that shit applied to the actual situation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially like, you know, when you say with your friends, like your friends know who you are, right? They like know you, know the stories, they know you're funny. But like when you're just going to a random ass audience on, you know, they don't know you and you got, you got however much time to prove you're funny or get them hooked in. Man, a huge thing, man. As much as we, you know, much as I think humans are fucking dumb, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you can't deny confidence. No, right? true, true. If I was to step in a ring and, eat, and I could still look, I can look mean and look strong and everything. If I move my eye a certain way, like I look down or, you know, I don't maintain eye contact. That's a, that's an inkling that I'm not really present or I'm right. not, I don't believe in it. You know, the right. same thing with an audience. You know, audience can pick up on that shit real quick. You could bomb. You can say whatever you want with an audience and they'll still be with you if you're confident. But the moment you show that you feel unsure of it, you're done. Yeah, it's true, man. That's, that's why I think all comedians have mental problems. <laughs> right? And I don't, I don't say that like... Be, trying to be funny or like think I'm better than that. of course not I, I truly do because comedy to me is such a difficult thing to pull off when you're asked to go up on stage and make someone laugh on command yeah right like you're you you guys both stand-up comedians took that on and said you know what I'm gonna go be funny for those people who are expecting me to be funny you know what I mean like that's that is a crazy <laughs> And and be insanely ballsy, right? Because Nick asked me all the time, he's like, how come you don't ever want to do stand-up? And I, I just don't have that urge, right? Like, I don't have the the desire to go up and, 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 and try. Like, I don't have that performance gene. But I think for comedians, much more so than music, right? Like, music and acting, it's two totally different things. But a, com a comic is up on stage alone, you know, and especially like when you're up performing, you know, for a headliner like Chris, right? People are there, you know, hundreds of people 
you know, or Giannis when you've opened for Giannis, I'm sure, to to see these guys who they're such big fans of. And then you have to not only go out and open for them, you know, or feature for them, you now have to make those people laugh, right? right like, right. like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta say, I, I, I appreciate you making it seem like it's harder, but it's actually harder than what it is, but I actually have the easy job, man. Going in the middle after the host in the middle, it's actually much easier for me. A lot of them, I'm fortunate enough to have a little bit, uh, some of them, a good percentage of them know me because from the podcast, I'm here. But so it's not as difficult. If I went in there and they had no idea who I was and I had to go first, that's a little more. But the host, a lot of times, does that 10 minutes, whatever they do, and it softens them up. A lot of times the drinks are down. You yeah. know, the middle spot, man, is a sweet fucking spot. It's like, yeah. I can't when I headline, I'm like, oh, I forget. I love to middle because you get 20 to 30 minutes. There's no fucking pressure. The audience is already having a couple of drinks. The headliner, that's a fucking tough job, man. You got to do 45 minutes to an hour. They drop the checks on you, three quarters of the CSS, which, by the way, I don't know why clubs still do that shit. It's like right. everything is evolving and moving forward, and clubs are still dropping checks. They're still doing a tr- two-drink minimum. They need to cut that shit out. People are going to drink. They don't need to be told you got to drink two times over here. Like, people right. are going to drink. <laughs> now, Sergio, how did you get into comedy? What started that for you? I don't know if the, 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 the story is, uh, is that exciting. It's typical. You know, I was a class clown. Humor for me was a defense mechanism. Yep. And I always wanted to do it. So I used to go to clubs when I was young. My little girlfriend, seven, 17, 18 years old. They would bark. Um, they would have barkers in front of the clubs giving out tickets. Yeah. I would get the ticket, go in the club. And I would see guys like Patrice O'Neal. Yeah. You know, uh, guys who are friends of mine now. I, I remember seeing Kyle Grooms when he just started. Uh, who else? Wilson Vince. Angelo Lasada, who was a good friend of mine, he just passed away. Rest in peace, Angelo. So I would see all these guys and be, and, and be so inspired by it. But I remember seeing Patrice O'Neill, and it was a Sunday night, and it was like an audience of seven. And he looks at us and he says, What's wrong with y'all? That's what he told me. He said, What's wrong with that? He said, Who comes out on a Saturday night to be entertained by a complete stranger? He said, There's something seriously wrong with all of y'all. <laughs> Yeah, we find that funny because we like, but you imagine seven people who don't know each other right. just chilling in a dark room and everyone, <laughs> I could feel everyone getting uncomfortable. And dog, this is how I know, I knew he was like a special sort of talent because he dug himself in the hole. Yeah. Like I even got uncomfortable for him because <laughs> he sat there and was like being mean to us and he dug himself in a hole, like making fun of all of us. And then 20 minutes, in, or like, after the 20 minute set, we absolutely loved him. It was the funniest thing. He, yeah. It was almost like one of our closest friends was up there just fucking with us. And he was able to tie that in, yeah. you know, to make that connection with seven strange people. It was really special. And this is over, probably over 20 years ago. For me to remember that, it was, yeah. it was wild. Yeah, it had to be a long time ago. He's been gone a long time already. He's been gone a long time. This is well before I started comedy. So I had experiences like that that you know that really inspired i was like wow man that guy was fucking hilarious and he made it seem so effortless and and and, and smooth you know yeah. yeah he was awesome i loved him he's one of my favorite all-time comics for sure he was mean too though like I, he, oh i heard 
I used to do, I used to work at Comics on uh, 14th Street. It was a beautiful corporate club yeah. in the packing district. And I was doing a new talent show. So I'm not sure, Nick, you're probably familiar. Greg, I'm not sure, but a new talent show is you have a comic producer yeah. who asks five to eight comics to perform on the show, five minutes of pop. They have to bring yep. X amount of people to perform, right? Long sure. story short, the show is over. You know, these shows are like fucking 5 p.m., middle of the fucking day type shit. He's headlining the first show, the first real show that night at Comics. So he rolls in like around 7.30 in the room at the green room in comics. So this like, you know, darty, you know, new comics. Yeah. Still scan, you know, up and down. Yeah, happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, did you get a recording? Oh my God, my joke really killed. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> that sort of dweeby shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes in and he tells the producer, Becky Donahue, like the comic, hey, um, yeah, I need to get out. I said, yes, 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 yes. Come on, guys, let's go. And all the comics are lingering, and they're, they're taking way too long for him. So he goes into the bathroom and he takes a shit, <laughs> like, like a nasty shit. Leave the door open, and then the door frame just smiles. <laughs> Dude, everyone's like, "Yo!" Like, <laughs> like what a psychopath. Yeah. Dude, my favorite story is Kevin Hart told on Rogan when he was talking about Patrice threw a fucking phone book at him while he was performing at the Boston Comedy Club. And he's just yelled at him, middle of his set, threw a phone book at him on stage. Yeah, and he goes, great. read it. It's got better material than what you're saying right now. <laughs> so he fucking did that to Kevin Hart. <laughs> well, check this out. I, I saw what's so the, the time I saw Patrice was at Boston Comedy Club, dope club. Had the elevated stage, the brick back uh, background yeah. with the fireplace. But one time I was uh, at New York Comedy Club and Kevin Hart was there. And he was like, I went to uh, I went to the bathroom and after the show, he comes out. And he's like talking to the girl I'm with. And he takes a cigarette and throws it away. He's like, you shouldn't be smoking or something like that. And I was like, yo, who's this little mom? <laughs> And he's like, you guys enjoyed the show. And I was like, you did the same material you did last week. And he was like, oh, I got to get new material. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's doing his thing well. I, I enjoy Kevin, man. I think that guy, he's such a likable dude. Yeah. Yeah. People people want to, plus, you know, where he's at, people always want to shit on him for whatever. I feel like he doesn't get too much of that, but I'm sure he does. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't feel like I, get, I hear a lot of that. Yeah. But I'm sure I, he does. I just, I just don't like, you know, like, I mean, er, comics are, you know, can be envious people, I guess, but it's so much fun. Like, it's just a great, it's so fucking great. Like, I'm not gonna, if I woke up every day and compared myself to Kevin Hart, I'm gonna be depressed for (laughs) a long time. (laughs) I'm not where he's at, man. It's like, okay, like. Yeah. But him, he's doing his thing. You do your thing. That's it, man. That's all yeah, you that's, the, that's the most violent shit you could do to yourself. But people in the entertainment business always do that. Yeah. 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 It's fucking wild, dude. So let's talk about your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. The DBS podcast, the acronym is for dirtbag shit. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dogs, boxing, snakes. I mean, the acronym is <laughs> all. That's true. Yeah. You, have, you have pet snakes, correct? I saw in the video you do with Chris. 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big reptile lover, man. In the midst of all this crazy shit going on, to make myself feel better, I just go on Craigslist and look for snakes. I could have <laughs> told you one about 20 years ago. I, 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 for some reason, went out and bought a ball python. So it was like an impulse buy. You didn't really it was know an impulse buy. Right. Like complete impulse buy. And I and I didn't think it through. And I am not. It, it's just not my character. Right. For one, I'm way too much of a wuss to 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 deal with. A snake. Who buys a snake without knowing anything about them? What are you, you going through a midlife crisis? Or something? <laughs> yeah, I did it like 21 years old. So like I did. I'm like, it'll be cool to walk around college campus with a snake. Well, let me tell you what never happened. I never walked around college campus with a snake. So I buy this ball python and, you know, you you feed it mice. Right. So I would go to the pet store, buy mice. First time I went to feed it a mouse, I threw the mouse into the cage. Right. You know what happened? That mouse ran around the cage for two days, two days. I go back to the, the pet store. I'm like, the mouse is now a friend of my ball python. Like, what do I have to do? The guy said to me, he's like, oh, your python doesn't want to eat live food. You have to break this, the mouse's neck so it dies and then the python will eat it. And I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? I'm going to go home. <laughs> like, do you have the pre-broken ones? I, 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 right. And the guy was like, well, we could kill it for you here. And I'm like, I have to give away this snake. <laughs> Yeah, no additional charge. Just come back. We'll kill you, the mouse. So I did. I wound up giving the snake away to a zoo. I, my, I had a friend that mom worked at a zoo. I'm like, can I give your mom this snake? Because there's no way I could deal with this. I'm and surprised I, they took it. I'm surprised the zoo took that. Yeah, snake. she she was she at the uh, Roger Williams Zoo in in Rhode Island. Now yeah, has yeah. this. I don't could still be alive. I don't know. They live a long fucking time, man. Yeah, I was I, gonna I, ask. What's like the? Cause I know nothing about animals at all. Yeah, First they live like thirty years. Jesus Christ! What type? What type of snakes do you have? Do you have more than one? Yeah, I got nine. Jeez. What? Yeah, I got nine. What? To, oh my god! What kind? What's your biggest one? Like seven, six and a half, seven feet. Have it bitten you? No, no, they're docile creatures, man. They, they, they're good. You know, listen, these snakes go have different modes. Right. When you go into the tank, a lot of times they associate that with food, right? So what I take a hook with the ones that are really powerful and I'll tap them on top of their head. And then I'll grab them in the mid-body. Once they're out, they're on chill mode. You know, they're like exploring and that's right. it. But it's usually, they never really want to bite um, out of aggression. That's the misconception. They bite because they think you're food. Right. You know? So once they associate with food, they'll grab on um, and coil. And then a defensive bite is usually when they're really scared. If you're hovering above them, they, they feel like a predator is, is, is invading their space. Right. So you got to go in, even level, mid-body usually. Tap them on the head with the hook. Remove them. Very simple. And, you, you know, make sure that they're able to grab onto you because they want to feel secure. They don't want to be at the tip of the tail. Right. You know, they, they, they don't have legs, right? So they want to feel secure. That's why every time you see a snake, they're against something. They're right. Against some holes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, they, uh, they, you know, back in the days, uh, you know, when you had that ball python, when pet shops sold them, a lot of these snakes were, like, imported from, like, you know, they weren't really being bred. In right. the, you know, a lot of them were coming straight from Africa, from Latin America. And it's pretty wild, like, how there was dudes out there 
who would smuggle snakes like in their fucking <laughs> their luggage and shit. So where do you get a snake now? Yo, to tell you the truth, man, most recently, I'll go on Craigslist. Yeah. Listen, it's probably filling in a board for not using drugs anymore. Because <laughs> I get the same excitement. When I call someone on Craigslist, I'm like, you still got that snake? There's something that happens to my belly. <laughs> you know, if you ever get drugs and excitement, it's the yeah, same excitement, yeah. right? Um, so I, I'm not buying them. I'll tell them, uh, you know, listen, I see you trying to rehome your animal. I'm very experienced. This is a link to all the pets I have. If you want to, you know, feel good about, if you want to have that peace of mind, knowing that your snake is going to go to go home, I'm the guy for you. And a lot of times, that's how I get them. Wow. Dude, yeah. that's, that's so funny you said like now that like you don't do drugs <laughs> that's what it's so i i trained this guy he's probably he's only like 38 but he wanted to lift heavy and he's a bigger dude and he likes to you know squat bench deadlift power lift all that shit so we were doing that and and he you know the his biggest thing was his wind his aerobic capacity was bad like he was just whatever and I was like, I know he'd sit in the car in the parking lot of the gym. I'd see him before at Equinox and he's vaping. <laughs> the worst. But he, I was like, dude, like he used to be, I mean, pills, Coke, uh, you name it. Did every drug in the book for a very long time. And he quit all that and all he did was vaping. And I was like, dude, like if you want to get your aerobic capacity up, like you really got to drop that vape. And he was like, he just looked at me and goes, it's all I have left. <laughs> He was so like, it's like, it's literally all I have, dude. I'm just like. <laughs> I know that dude. They're usually bloated. You know, they, 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 those guys, man, they've been doing drugs for so long that, and it is still smoke. And it's almost like you need your body to stay away from all that shit for a good six, six months to yeah. respond to a workout correctly. Yeah. Especially if you want to work out intensely. Like if he wants to lift heavy, I mean, you got to. Do that shit slowly. You can't just go yeah, in. Yeah, he was taking big breaths in between. He was just like, <sighs> I, you know, it is pretty great. Like I, I was never a. I mean, I have definitely done stuff in my younger days, but I stopped drinking. I mean, I was not a heavy drinker, but I would, you know, drink casually about I don't know six, seven months ago, and just I can tell you how much better my workouts are. Hell yeah. It's and I, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like I drank every day, but just not drinking at all. I mean, I probably have had like two drinks in six months. It it really is amazing how much better I feel, you know, pre and post workout. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, you don't have those those dips, those mood swings. I mean, when I drank, it just but I drank a lot more where I added up the hours that I was drinking. So let's say I was at a comedy club three or four times a week and I had six to eight beers each night. God damn. That's not a normal, that's like, you know, right. So then you count the hours. So if my spot was from eight, I got, I, I should be home by 10. No, I would hang out, get home at three in the morning. So eight to nine, <laughs> 10, 11, 12, one, two, three, that's seven hours, right? Now it's like 20, 20 something hours of hanging out. And then that's not even the recovery time for the following day, recovering three. So you're damn near doing a, a disservice to yourself, 40 hours out the week, 
so committed to drinking <laughs> and recovering. That's a lot of time. That's a part-time job at Petco. <laughs> Dude, I, a full-time <laughs> job. 40 in, the snake, in the snake department. Snake department. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, if I drink, I'm the worst, like, my body, luckily, I guess, my body just, like, I, me and substances don't do well together. Like, it doesn't take a lot for me to get drunk. I've never really, the hardest, like, drug, I, I mean, I've taken steroids when I was a teenager. That's the hardest drug I'd say I've done. I smoke weed, whatever. Yeah, but, what, like, I, if I drink, I'm fucked for four days. Did you, uh, what kind of steroid was it, and how long were you doing it? I took a bunch of shit from like the ages of 15 to 19. I took, wow. uh, yeah, I took Andro back when that was legal. So Mark McGuire took, took D ball. Then I injected test propanate, took DECA. I've tried Winstrol, fucked around with growth hormone a little bit. Wow. That's it. I think. Yep. That's well, it. What are the differences? Be are they these different brands or there? Uh yeah. I mean, some shit. I, you got to understand this was, you know, before they banned all that shit, I worked at GNC in high school and like you could buy Andro or like shit that was basically like D ball. It was legal at that point. It wasn't made illegal to 2004, I believe. Right. Um, so you could just like, if you remember that company animal, like animal pack, yes, animal. So animal stack used to be Andro. I took that when I was in high school and animal test was like methyl one testosterone, like a D ball almost. Um, but it was wild, dude. I I'll tell you the oral steroids. I felt a little bit better on them injecting and shit. It fucked me up. I hated it. I felt like garbage all the time. Plus it like, you know, it thickens your red blood cells. So you recover quicker and all that shit. So I'd be a bounce. I was a bouncer at a nightclub when I was like 18. I'd just be standing there like, <sighs> like taking deep breaths, like, like, Oh, I don't feel good. <laughs> And I was like, this shit sucks. Like, I'd have to do cardio just so I didn't feel terrible. You know what I mean? But you know what? He did. He really had a good shine to him. He really, like, if you see pictures from back when Nick was a bodybuilder, he had a he had a very nice glow. The funny part is when I did bodybuilding, I did that naturally. That's when I was like 24. I didn't even take juice. I did the natural shit before I took all this shit. That stuff is brutal. Like boxing, man. You got to make weight, right? You got to cut weight. Yeah, you certain weight classes and shit. Yeah, I yeah, I fucked myself up hardcore. That's why yeah, I just went the more natural route, you know. Yeah, I mean that that stuff. And I think that's the reason why people, so many people get hurt in boxing. Like you know, you hear about the deaths because they dehydrate themselves to yeah. so cut weight. And listen, you get hit on top of that, you know, why you dehydrate? Because you don't you don't hydrate within twenty four hours. If the weigh in is the day before, you not you don't drink two Gatorades and a gallon of water. <laughs> No, that takes a week. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, I have a I have a friend who was a competitive wrestler, and he, oh, he they would go through crazy, crazy weight cuts, right? And he, I mean, he fucked his body up so bad, like, and it's it's kind of gross. He he could eat anything he wants now, and and since I've known him for a long time, like he could live on Taco Bell, McDonald's, Popeyes. He cannot gain weight. He can. He is maybe 130 pounds, like five foot nine. Cannot gain an ounce because he he messed up his body so bad from all of that weight cutting for years of wrestling. Wow. That it's it's crazy, crazy. I mean, I'm I'm not exaggerating. I've watched him like eat as disgusting as someone could on a daily basis for years, not an ounce. Yeah, that is why I didn't know it, it could disrupt 
I, I knew it could be bad for you, but I didn't know it can have those adverse effects where you wouldn't be able to gain weight ever. Yeah, I think it's a metabolism thing. It has something to do with just being dehydrated first. Like the dehydration really kills yeah. killed him. It's wild. It's and it, it's kind of. I wild. wish I had that shit. I know. Me I know. too. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. I had the reverse. Like I died. Remember dieting. This was. This is when my health, like I had like gut issues and all these other autoimmune issues pop up after this. It's after my first bodybuilding show. So it was a Sunday. I was on stage at like 180, 175 on stage, right? That was a Sunday. That next Saturday, that so that same week, right to Saturday, I remember we were going out for St. Patty's Day in the city. I was 207. <laughs> 27 pounds because I, I took a diuretic my ankles were like i had like water in them it looked like a pregnant woman oh my god like you couldn't tell i had jeans on and shit but like we went out in new york city and i was like i couldn't stop eating like it was like i was like what? Yeah, <laughs> i'm gonna die yeah, like, like blue <laughs> lips like everything was blue his ears were purple <laughs> it was bad dude it was the worst and then like five months later i became lactose intolerant I've never been that in my life so i was 25 and it's just <laughs> on set i fucked myself up so 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 i want well, before we where we we wrap in a few i i i did want to ask you about your birthday oh my right? 9/11 birthday. So your 9-11 birthday <laughs> so what I, a time dude I, like i don't know how to even like talk about that besides you talk about it in your act right right and i imagine that's got to be you know obviously a, a weird day to, to celebrate a birthday on especially 15 years ago it's, it's a weird it's a weird birthday for sure but it's one of my favorite bits and i'll tell right. you why it's so fucking taboo to make fun of something like not, not i make you every, you obviously know and yeah. smart people know that i'm not making fun of 911 i'm making it myself right yeah. but it took a while to develop that bit because right. i didn't believe in it at first so you know it goes on oh, my birthday's on 911 Every year falls on 9-11. Every year I'm the only asshole in the bar with a cone hat on. And I go on, <laughs> yeah, and I talk and I go and it, it it's a long bit now. But at first, you know, and we talk about confidence. When I even said 9-11, I didn't believe in what I was about to say. I didn't believe that I could pull this shit off in front right. of people. So yeah. I would say it, and then there was something about my voice or about my, my body language that suggested I didn't believe in the bit. And it didn't work. Right. I stopped giving a fuck. So I did it enough. Yeah. Well, I was like, I'm owning this. It's my birthday. This is it. And it's amazing how confidence in a bit was selling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that shit did not work. People would be pissed off at me because I didn't believe it. Right. You know? I thought it was funny. I knew there was something there. But I didn't know how to execute it. Yeah, especially in New York City, running that bit, you know, night after night in New York City. I mean, I imagine you got a lot of people like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. had anyone that, I'll tell you this. I've never had anyone say fuck, but they, they didn't find it funny. And, right, you know, right, I was right. doing a good job as a comic selling it. So that's my bad. It's always going to be my bad, right? Especially if they're feeling uncomfortable about it. It's one thing if you say something and you still have that confidence to be like, I'm still, I'm owning this. I don't give a fuck what you're out there. But if I'm a little skittish about it, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. making an awkward situation. Right. right? Yeah, totally. I say something awkward, but I still believe in it. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm still holding, I'm still maintaining a certain energy. Take a walk with me, right? Right, right, right. But if you're like uncomfortable and they're uncomfortable, now it's like, I pay for this shit? This guy looks <laughs> uncomfortable. Right? Um, 
But what the fuck was my problem? I was going to get to something else. Shit. Ah, maybe I'll run back to it. Was, your, was it. was it your 21st birthday? It was my 20 or 21st birthday. That, I think yeah. That's wild, dude. I mean, I, I have a similar oh, bit. My bad, Nick. My go ahead. Bad. Go. No, hit it. Go. Yeah, so there's a time and a place for this shit. That's why when you do like a corporate function, you know, sometimes you got to remove certain bits. I kind of pride myself on doing what the fuck I want. Right. You know, with any audience, I feel like I can maneuver. I've been doing this long enough. But my, uh, a fellow comic booked me, and it was a real ritzy, you know, gala. You know, I don't, you know, fucking gala. I had to wear a button. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> And it was somewhere, it, was, it might have been like Connecticut, like a real fancy part of Connecticut. <laughs> Makes sense. Those guys. And they had the fucking raffle and, you know, and the chandeliers. And the, the, the producer slash comic was like, Sergio, you're free. It's all, it's anything you want to do. You know, I love you. I love your energy. They're, they're going to love you. You're going to go up second. Here, you know, if you want anything to eat, let me young in the back. And, you know, <laughs> you know he was very, you know, very accommodating. So, I, you know, I'm doing my thing. And uh, when he goes up on stage, he's doing a lot of, uh, like, he knows the audience. You know you know those shows, Nick, right? When the fucking guy knows the audience. So he's doing shit. Like, he knows Kevin in the third row. And he, yeah. he's talking to Kevin's cousin. So it's like a personalized thing. And so he's not really doing stand-up is what I'm saying. No, right. he's probably killing because everyone knows yeah, who he's talking like, about. Yeah. And actually, it's funny. Usually, a guy like that would be killing, right? It, it, it's going okay, you know. But so I go up, and the last thing I should be doing is rolling the dice with a bit like that. So I do, you know, I go up. I'm not doing okay. I do the 9/11 bit, and someone goes, "Oh no!" And doors fly open, and then it's exit. Oh no! Yeah. Really? And I'm doing my bit, and like it's an awkward set after that, as you can imagine. Oh no! <laughs> and people looking back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I go to the back, and everyone's looking at me. I go to the green room. My food is not there. They like remove my food. They're like oh, he doesn't get to eat, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ! And, and, and the and the owner, uh, the the producer goes, uh, "Oh, I should have. Uh, I I I don't know why you would choose to do that bit." Um, that, that that woman's husband died in 9-11. Oh. Yeah, and I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? And I'm also not making fun of 9-11. I'm making fun of my birthday. But so you're never able to say 9-11? Yeah. Like it, it freaks people out. Like, so people have to listen. You know, I get it. But if I start to do that with everything in life, you can't talk about anything if you think about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I was going you know, so I wasn't trying to justify it. I was like, oh, shit, I had no idea. And I it wasn't making, and it was like mad awkward. And I was hoping I would get paid. I didn't get paid, but it was like one of those things where you got the envelope and, you know, you're looking at the watch. That comic is up. You're just, people walking by. You're like, oh. That kind of happened to me. I used to DJ, right? I DJed for a long time. And I would DJ these like sorority things and dances and whatever. And no matter what, at least five to 10 times a night, I would put a song on and some girl would walk up to me and be like, you can't play that song. That's Jenny's song with her boyfriend. They just broke up and she's really upset. And a few times when it first started happening, I'd be like, oh, fine, I'll change the fucking song. But after a while, I was like, tell Jenny to go to the fucking bathroom if she can. 
<laughs> she can't yeah. deal with this for now. I can't not play songs because someone might have an issue that that's their breakup song. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's you know, I love that's a, a level of entitlement I cannot comprehend. Yeah. Dude, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I I was talking to a comic about this a few months back, but like, you know, you hear all these stories about people going up to a comic after and be like, you know what? I don't like you said this, this and this, my whatever. So for like my example is my mother died when I was a kid, right? I go to a show, sit down, comic makes a dead mom joke. I can't even fathom going up to him after and being like, hey, man. I'm 30. It's like my mom's my mom died when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> he didn't fucking know, dude. Like no one knows. Like, yeah. yeah, it's so it's so wild and disrespectful. It's it's crazy. I, I, I was at a show one time and it was a light audience. And I used to have this this fucking this opening bit, and it's a it's a stock joke. You know, I said, uh oh, this is uh a small audience. I prefer this size of audience because this shows me that if there was a fire in here, there's a good chance we'll all survive. You know? And it always worked. You know, it's like yeah. it's a little throwaway one. I used to always use a small audience. Right. Yeah. The guy in the back goes, too soon. I'm like, what are you talking about, too soon? And he's like, the fire around the corner from here, there was a gas explosion. Like one person died, like two years before that. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, the fire around the corner. You know, a guy died, man. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I said, <laughs> it was a small enough audience where I said, okay, we're going to go around the room. Raise your hand. Uh, I like this. I like this move, Sergio. Yeah, I was like, did you think that I was talking yeah. about the fire across the street? Did you? And I went all around. I said, see, dude, shut the fuck up. This is not about you and your thoughts. You can't make this show about your thoughts. <laughs> Like, he felt a certain way. I was like, but there is a place for guys like you. It's called fucking Yelp. Go to Yelp. I <laughs> <laughs> got so mad, bro. Like, no, I get it, dude. Wait, audience. that might be a new app. That might be a new app. That, I, don't, I don't know if maybe that does exist. Like, it, where people can go on, like, a comics Yelp, right? Like, you develop an app that's just about comedians. It's called Twitter. No, I yeah, know, but that's 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 in the moment, like an app where you can like read reviews of your of your of your comedian. You may be going to see that night. Like, there's an app there, that'd be funny, and you know it would be all bad reviews because people only post bad reviews. No one posts good reviews. Yeah, man, it's 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 just wild, you know. Um, I wonder, you know, and also you think about like the the times we were living in right before the pandemic. I mean, it was cancel culture. Oh, God. You, couldn't, you know, it's disgusting, right? It's like, yeah. really? Everything has to be case by case. And it was just out of control. And it's crazy how then we have a pandemic that canceled everything. Like, right. oh, you guys want to act up? You guys want to be those bitches? Cancel yeah. the whole thing. And then you're left with this feeling like, oh, shit, I'm very appreciative of what I have. Like, it's almost like real survival shit. Like, yeah. oh, gratitude or whatever. All the other shit we were yapping about is... It's irrelevant now. But you know, yeah. cancel culture is never going away. It's you never going away. Right? You know, there's, I, too many, there's too many platforms. I agree, Greg. There's too yeah. many 
it's allowing too many voices. I, I think the only way it goes away a small is, percentage is, of people, is I think that, you know, there, right. there's always going to be the cancel culture. I think, especially now with all these friggin' ways, people can talk shit about each other in real time and, and screw people's careers for no fucking reason, because they don't like a joke. I, I think the the only way you combat that is by dealing with it head on, kind of the way like Joey Diaz did, you know, like he, someone tried taking Joey down. He was like, fuck you. You know, he's like, I'm not I'm not going to be canceled by, just... by you for that, whatever. And, you know, if, if there's validity to it, fine. But just making up nonsense is is crazy. And if you let it happen, then you're feeding into it. Right. You know, I think you imagine people... like if it was the 70s and like you could tweet at Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> you could be like you fucking suck like they're like, like today's wild like it's just you could just say shit to whoever you want yeah i mean look at look at look back at that time you had archie bunker on tv it was a top television show you know, and the Jeffersons, you know, like the, it was just outright playing into racism that people knew was just for the comedic element of it. Right. And if you if you can laugh at it, it's not mean. You know, you I mean, watch I, some. I was gonna say, you want to watch some wild shit, like hardcore shit. Go back to the Dean Martin roasts <laughs> and watch those dudes fucking tear each other apart, talking, making Puerto Rican jokes to Freddie Prince Jr., telling him he should be a waiter and shit. You right, got right. Don Rickles telling Wilt Chamberlain he should never be in his neighborhood because he's black. Like you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like that's like Seinfeld telling LeBron, like, hey, you black son of a bitch. Like you all look alike <laughs> right now. Go watch that shit. That is insane. Did you say Steinfeld? Steinfeld. 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 I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, Jerry fucking Seinfeld. Freaking friend that refused to say Seinfeld. He's like, oh, Steinfeld. I'm like, no, it's Steinfeld. Like, the fact that you just saying Steinfeld was so obvious. (laughs) Sounds like my dad, dude. My dad just like makes up shit. He's like, every time Chris talks about his dad, the Stefano talks about his dad, I'm like, yeah, my father's Italian and just says, like, he called, uh, he was trying to reference, he's like, if I want to download a song, would I just go to Looney Tunes and you just download it? <laughs> and I was like, you fucking mean iTunes, man? And he was like, yeah, whatever, it's the same thing. And I was like, no, <laughs> you can't just say <laughs> shit. My mother's on the same bullshit. So be like, uh, I don't really go on Twitter. I'm like, no, you can do Like, and this says it was so, such arrogance and about <laughs> I don't do Twitter. I'm like, yeah, no one does Twitter. <laughs> Not a thing. I, I actually, I saw a great bit. I don't know who did it about like people, like what you just said, people like saying Steinfeld, but saying it with such conviction that they believe it's like, they're like, and, and then you're like second guessing, is it Steinfeld? Because they just said it with such conviction. <laughs> uh, anyway, man, this was awesome. Yeah, really? It was a pleasure talking to you, dude. Appreciate you taking out the time. Oh, my absolute pleasure, Nick. I appreciate you guys, man. And um, yeah, the next time I'm in Connecticut, I'll holla at you guys. Maybe we'll get some training done. Or if I'm at a show, I'll make sure to meet up with you guys. Oh, for sure. We, you know, we we run shows out here too, so we could talk offline about doing some shows. Oh man, I would love to head out there. Yeah, we 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 run a couple of club um, spots out this way. Smaller, obviously, but. Um, pretty, pretty limited, good stuff. Limited capacity now. Yeah, that's the name thing. The capacity is limited, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's still shows in the rooms. Um, anyway, man, let's let's catch up after. And uh, thanks again. Really, this was awesome. 
I appreciate you guys, man. Have a good night, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you, you too. Sergio. Peace.